right, you guys ready for the message today? All right, me too. If I need to pause and blow my nose and stuff, just bear with me. I've, I've got some either allergies or sickness or something. Anybody got the sniffles? Anybody besides me? All right, all of you. <laughs> and then the person next to you is like, great. <laughs> Thanks, man, for coming to church today, sitting next to me. Uh, well, hey, Larry already mentioned this, but we are in, I think it's week five or so of this series we're titling Prioritizing His Presence. Everybody say that. Say Prioritizing His Presence. All right, so the beginning of this year, this kind of phrase came out of uh, a seeking of God that me and the staff did and a few of our leaders about, Lord, what are you saying for this year? And to start off 2024, we want to be really intentional to put pretty much the main thing before us. We want the main thing to be the main thing. And the main thing, in lots of different ways you could say it, is Jesus and, and his, his presence. Being a people that prioritize not just our relationship in, with God in a general sense, but prioritize being with him connecting with him. You guys know that you're not saved into a religion. You're saved into a relationship with a real living person that allows us to interact with him. This is crazy, guys. This is absolutely crazy. We do not just have a relationship with a principle or good morals. He is a person alive from the dead. Anybody believe that besides me? And you can speak with him. You can talk with him. He can talk to you. He's with you. It's beautiful. It's amazing. I love that we're not just a religion. This is a, a relationship with the living God, the Jesus that we talk about, sing about all the time. We are going to see him face to face one day. And I am so looking forward to that. And I mentioned this last week, but when I meet him face to face, when I die or when he comes, I don't want that, that interaction, that first thing to be like a, hey, good to meet you, Jesus. You know, I want it to be an embrace of my closest friend. And I think he invites us into that type of intimacy and friendship on this side of eternity so that when we see him, it's, we're looking at our best friend. And that starts right now by learning. All of us are learning how to relate with him, how to prioritize his presence and prioritize connecting with him. So we're talking about that. Some of our um, other main goals and main prayers I've been praying is that in 2024, all of you guys would have consistent and enjoyable times with the Lord. Anybody want that? Consistent and enjoyable times with the Lord. And also through God's presence, I'm believing that we will find healing and we will find breakthrough in the areas that we need it. Anybody besides me need more healing, breakthrough, health in your life? Yes? Um, and I think there's no chance in us growing, maturing, getting healed on the inside if we're not opening up our hearts consistently to the Lord. He, his presence, that is the greatest place of healing, of strength, of renewal, and we all need it. Last few weeks, we have talked about several things. Um, we talked about hearing God's voice last week. We also talked about, we had a guest speaker come in town a few weeks later, Sean Richmond from Boston. How many of you guys were here for that? Several of you guys were. Awesome man of God, leader uh, within the Antioch movement. He talked about hungering and needing God's presence. And then I modeled what a 30-minute alone time with God could look like. Some of you guys said you enjoyed that. Um, and then we've just been talking about how it's clear throughout Scripture that Meeting with God was a top priority for the people of God, Old and New Testament. Well, this morning, we're going to talk about the power of corporate worship. And by corporate worship, I mean when the people of God gather together in his presence. I'm going to talk about the power of that. Now, the majority of uh, what I've been talking about in this series has been about kind of your personal connection with God. Okay, but this morning is very clear that this is not just your personal connection with God. It is our corporate seeking our corporate expression of seeking the Lord, all right? You guys know the Bible talks about both and emphasizes both. 
And it's not one or the other. I'm really good at my personal time with God, but I kind of ignore meeting with the people of God. No, it's not that. It's also not, you know, my only expression of my relationship with God is just when I go to church or life group or some sort of corporate gathering. It's not just that. We also want to be those that seek him privately. But, man, when you put those two together, this is the best case scenario, and it's the best, it's the best biblical conclusion is putting these two things together. So my hope this morning is that you guys feel re-envisioned about how important, how powerful, and how crucial these times right here in the house of God with the people of God really are. Um, and I want you everybody to say the word together. The gathering of believers together is absolutely a central part of what you're seeing really throughout the entire Bible, but mainly through even the lens of the New Testament. Now, let me just pause for a second because of the culture that we grew up in. We grew up, and I say this all the time, in a pretty hyper-individualistic culture. Did you know that? Like, we are really good about thinking primarily about ourselves. Anybody? Yes? <laughs> okay. All right. And we're taught that. Okay? And when we read the Bible, and anytime we see the word you, how do you interpret that? Me. Okay. But did you know that actually the Bible is most, like, understood in the Texas translation? Every time you see you, it's y'all, actually. <laughs> it's y'all. Because I, I just, a couple, a couple of scriptures I'm about to look at, I mean, all these, these letters uh, throughout the New Testament, many of them written by a guy named Paul, he's writing to a group of believers, and he's saying, hey, you, you. And he's not talking just to individuals. Of course, you guys understand there is a personal application, yes. But he's talking to groups of people. You, y'all, you guys seek the Lord. You guys worship together. You guys repent from sin, embrace holiness. You guys encourage and spur one another on. You guys understanding? And I love this in Ephesians 2.22 it's a one-liner that really captures the, the main purpose of the people of God gathering together. It says this, it's in the context talking about the church working together, being built up as like this holy priest, priesthood or this holy building. And here's what it says. It talks about stones and this analogy of Jesus being the cornerstone and God being building us together. Verse 22 of Ephesians 2 says, In him you also are being built together everybody say together again together you in him you also are being built together into look at this a dwelling place for God by the spirit here is the ultimate purpose of us gathering together as the people of God is that this is a dwelling place for the living God that when we gather it's not just oh look what Antioch can do by the way they preach and do worship and welcome people and have a tent and bags and all this stuff and coffee Guys, this setting must have to do with so much more than just what man's best efforts are. This must be, and I pray this over every church in Northwest Arkansas, that these are dwelling places for God. That when you show up, you know God is there. This is the whole purpose of us gathering. It's not to just impress one another, to show what we can do, to look good to the people around us. This is a holy temple of the Lord for his presence to dwell among us. That's it. And man, I just long for that to be so evident and so clear for our church when we gather together that we're not just kind of watching what Mitchell preaches or watching what the band can do, but we are attentive to God. Like coming to his, into his presence, expecting I'm going to meet with him. I know this is a crazy thought, but what if you showed up every Sunday to church and expected to meet God? 
Wouldn't that be amazing? It's mind-blowing thought, I know. Come to church to meet with God. Yes, this is all about him. And man, I, w- I want to stir hunger. And then I think of Psalms. We're going to look at a couple Psalms. Think of Psalm 63. I think of just David in his evident hunger and expectancy as he approached the place of corporate worship, which he calls the sanctuary here in Psalm 63. Look what it says. It'll be on the screen. It says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh or my body faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So here's what he did. I looked upon you in the sanctuary. Everybody say sanctuary. That sanctuary, it was the the, the literal place that David's talking about is the place where there was a bunch of Levites and musicians and people worshiping the Lord. Old Testament, Old Covenant, they're they're doing sacrifices, a lot of stuff. But really the primary purpose of this sanctuary was the people of God, the Israelites, worshiping God together. He says, I've, I'm so weary, I'm so dry out, and I'm so hungry in my soul that here's what I've done. I've come to the sanctuary to behold your power and your glory. He came with expectancy that when he got into God's presence with the people of God, he was going to see power, he was going to experience power and see beauty. Wouldn't it be amazing if that's how we approach these settings? Says, I, God's here, and I'm going to experience his power, and I'm going to see his beauty. It's amazing. One of the most disappointing things that we can do related to this place is we can underestimate or undervalue the power of these settings. And I want to teach us to to not underestimate or undervalue the power of these settings. My hope and my goal is that not only do we prioritize spending alone time with God, but we're prioritizing being together in the presence of God. Guys, this is the place where you meet with God. This is a place where you experience his healing touch. This is a place where you find encouragement in life. This is a place where your heaviness gets lifted. (laughs) This is a place where you feel those places of emptiness and depression and brokenness where God comes and meets with you in a powerful way. This is a place where people get saved. They go from death to life. This is a place of healing. This this place is holy. And I don't want us to underestimate the power of God's people gathering together to worship and to seek him. And I want us to be hungry for it. Wants us to come with faith and expectancy that God will meet with us. Almost like this childlike ex- anticipation of, ooh, what's, what's God going to do today? What's, gonna, what's God going to do this Sunday? What's God going to do this Wednesday night at the worship night? What's God going to do when I show up to life group? Even though I'm so tired, even though work has been crazy, even though I'm stressed, even though whatever the reason, you know, like, oh, what if God meets with me because I'm gathering with the people of God? And the Bible says it's a dwelling place for his spirit. What if his spirit is actually there? Anybody want that anticipation, that hunger, that desire? Oh, I long for that. So again, in short, summary is this place is holy. God is here. It's a place that we meet with the living God. Let me show you a couple things from Psalm 84. And then I'll go in. uh, I'll probably I'll pray and then I'll go into a couple practical things. Here's what he says, and just let this, like, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful this becomes our prayer when we think about these settings. Psalm 84, you'll recognize some of these phrases. David says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. 
Even the sparrow finds a home and a swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Not only is his presence a lovely place, it's a place that we can call home. This is the place where you will feel fully yourself is in the presence of God with the people of God. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools that go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. This place of gathering in the presence of God with the people of God is a place you find strength. You go from strength to strength. Verse 8 says, O Lord, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. He's our shield. He's our protector. This is a place that hopefully you feel the safety and covering of God is in his presence with the people of God. Verse 10 says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Anybody heard that before? I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. The Lord is a sun and shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. This place, gathering with the people of God, worshiping God is a place of trust. It's a place of hope. It's a place of healing, favor. It's a place where we get satisfied if we're lacking no good thing. Man, I want us to, to long for his presence like the psalmist do. So let's pray. I'm going to pray that over us. And we'll go into a couple other thoughts on corporate worship. So God, just thank you that we get to gather in your name. Lord, I just I am reminded of how this is not everyone's like, ability around the earth, even as we're going to be praying and fasting with those in our extended family around the world in different places where they very rarely can have settings like this where they can worship freely and express themselves. God, I'm asking we would never take this for granted. But, Lord, I'm asking that we would be hungry for this place. We'd have expectation when we gather in your name that you are in our midst. Lord, I'm asking today that, Lord, any of us that need to find healing, find hope, find security, find strength, Lord, would you give it to us today in your presence? We love you. We need you. Come, Holy Spirit, continue to lead this time. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. All right, well, let's talk a little more broadly about worship couple foundational pieces here so number one what is worship okay there's there's a lot of different ways you could uh, define it but uh, here's one shot at it worship is a conscious response within us to God it is like an awareness within us that God like you're interacting with God that in its simplest form is worship now there's lots of different means that help you get there where you're connecting with God is probably the most frequent way I'll say it you know, you can sing, you can lift your hands, you can dance, you can read a psalm, you can start thanking him. And worship can take very many forms, but I just want to make sure that you guys are clear that worship is not a form. Worship is an inner reality that you're connecting with the living God. That's what worship is. Now, what kind of worship is God looking for? There's four things I'm going to show you. There's no ring or rhyme to it. I just put four words up here that I see in Scripture that will be on the screen, I think. And so one thing for sure Bible tells us that God's looking for in regards to worship is he's looking for true worship. I'll just read them to you. Physical, I'll explain that in a second, free and extravagant. So when I think about true worship, I always go to John 4. Literally, this is the most clearest scripture about what God's looking for. It literally says, God is looking, 
If I say looking, like his eyes looking to for this is John 4, 23. He's looking throughout the earth for true worshipers that would worship him in, anybody know? Spirit and truth. He's looking for worshipers that would worship him in spirit and truth. Then let me comment on the word physical. So as you're reading through, like, mainly the Psalms, a lot of times you'll see the word, like, worship or bless or thanksgiving. Yes? Okay, we even looked at a couple of those uh, just a second ago. But there, there are Hebrew words for each of those English words that mean or emphasize a certain thing. For example, here's three examples. When you see the word worship throughout the Psalms, in Hebrew, the direct translation of that is to prostrate oneself, like face down. Isn't that crazy? I was talking to some kids at Life Group, this was like months ago, and I was in charge of watching the kids. I brought my guitar, and it's just so great to worship and lead worship with kids because I'm pretty bad, but they don't know it, and so it's just so cool. We're in a great environment, and uh, anyways, I'm, I'm just trying to teach them a little bit about worship and about different ways to express themselves, and I'm like, hey, what have you guys seen? You know, the older kids are in here during worship. What are you guys seeing people do? And some people say, oh, they raise their hands, or they kneel, and one guy, a little bit mocking, he said, oh, and then there's the I'm done. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, Mitchell, you do this all the time. You just get on your face uh, on the floor. <laughs> he called it the I'm done, which honestly, I loved it. I'm like, yeah, that is, that is it. I'm done. I don't have anything, God. I need you. Help me. I can't do anything apart from you. The I'm done. Let's call it that, all right? So after this message, let's do the I'm done, okay? If you're carrying a baby, maybe don't do that, but just, you know, just I'm done. Literally, it is the Hebrew definition of the word worship often is to lay face down on your face before the Lord. Crazy. The word bless, like I bless you, Lord. Um, the Hebrew translation or meaning is to kneel. We bless you, Lord. We kneel. Even the word thanksgiving is oftentimes translated in the Hebrew, the extension of the hands. Okay, and, and a lot of other phrases as you read throughout the Psalms, literally the psalmist says, and I lift my hands to you. And so it just wants you to know that though what God is looking for at the core is genuine, true worship, our physical response to him actually is worship in and of itself. Now I'll get into this in just a second with the next one where we're not doing anything to try to like show, be showy. We're not doing anything so that we are seen or draw attention to ourselves. But when we are so free and don't care about what anybody thinks around us, oftentimes the overflow of what's happening inside of you because if you're a born-again believer, the Spirit of God lives in you, the overflow is going to affect your physical body. Again, not for show, but out of an overflow of love and gratitude and thankfulness. And it's just like, why, not, why would I not kneel before you, Lord, and just say, thank you. I bless you. You're amazing. I don't have anything that you haven't given me. And I just I know of guys that they're consistent because they want to teach their soul. You remember in the Psalms, David's like, hey, bless the Lord, O my soul. And then we sang at the very beginning of worship. He's like telling us, oh, bless him. He's done great things. Why are you downcast? Bless the Lord. It's like you're, you're using your body to tell your soul it's time to worship. <laughs> I know a guy that when he starts worship, every time he's intentional, I'm going to just raise my hands. I don't care how I'm feeling. I don't care what the song is. You know, it's, it's I'm going here because I'm going to teach my soul it's time to worship God. By doing something physical. I love that. He's not doing it to be seen. He doesn't think that he gets extra points with God. You know, my hand, I'm a little closer to God, so maybe he'll touch me. No, that's not what's going on. Okay? Uh, but there is a, a, a case for physically worshiping the Lord. Now, free, I think of, 
That third one, was he looking for free worship? I think of 2 Corinthians 3.17. It says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So very connected to what I am saying is you're free from, especially in a corporate setting, you're free from what other people might think about you. You're just, that's what I think about in this context is you're free, of course, that I would say mainly means like you, the weight of sin, the bondage to sin, like you've been freed from that and that's great news and should produce gratitude and thankfulness and joy. But I would also want to comment on its main, I think it's also this freedom from, uh, I don't care if anybody sees me, I'm just, I'm here for God's eyes. I'm, I'm here for his, I'd like to get quote unquote attention from him. I want him to look down and I don't care what anybody else thinks about me. Now, listen, in our culture, that is so difficult because a lot of our just, especially our social media culture, feeds off of our appearance to other people. And, man, guys, I just want to encourage you and submit to you, no matter if you've been coming here to Antioch for a long time or this is your first time, no matter where you land, oh, just, just enter into God's presence free from the concern about other people think about you and just worship him. <laughs> And honestly, some of you, you need to try something different. You need to try something new. You need to try something that makes you feel a little uncomfortable to help break off of that. You know, it's honestly, it's a trap. It's a bondage. It's not freedom where we feel so like, and I feel it too, because I know I'm usually up here in the front row and I know you all can see me (laughs) and half, you know, we get guests every single Sunday and you're like checking things out. You're wondering who that guy is pacing down there. Why is he walking back and forth? You know, when everybody else is standing still, you know, it's like, I, it's hard for me sometimes in my internal processing, but I'm like, I want to break out of that because I don't want you looking at me. I want you looking at him. And man, I want us to be free in our expression of him. So much more I want to say on that, but I will not. But in regards to the last one, extravagant, John 12, 3, if you want to write that reference down, it's it's uh, this woman who used to be a prostitute but encountered Jesus, got her life totally turned around. She so- shows up to a setting where Jesus is in a house, and it says in John 12, 3, that she poured very expensive oil or ointment on Jesus' head as one story or feet. And literally it said the fragrance of that filled the room. And in one of the Gospels it says that what this lady did will be preached in all of the world like accompanied with the gospel i think the lord is moved by expressions or forms of worship that are extravagant and quote-unquote very expensive like it costs us something that can mean a lot of things to a lot of people but he's looking for extravagant worship it moves his heart now let me comment on some of the benefits or maybe the uniquenesses of the corporate worship setting as opposed to the private times we're connecting with God. So number one, you can write these down. They will not be on the screen, but here's one of them uh, is encouragement. Everybody say encouragement. Man, when I show up to a place of worship with other believers and I see or hear other people worshiping God, it brings encouragement to my soul. (laughs) It reminds me that I'm not the only one following Jesus in this world. Throughout your week, you might be the minority in regards to if you're following Jesus and passionately trying to pursue him, maybe in your workplace there's not that many strong believers or on your college campus, but man, when we get in this place and we see people singing, hear people singing and turning their attention to God, that is an encouragement to our soul. Amen? Anybody besides me? Love that. I love particularly like the quiet parts of worship where you can like hear everyone's voice better. I'm just like, oh, the people of God are singing. They're lifting their voice before God. It is an encouragement to my soul. Another thing is... Um, 
The benefits of this corporate setting is God's glory and God's presence, particularly like moments together that we remember, which I'll comment on in just a little bit. A third one that is unique to these corporate settings is the opportunity to share prophetic words that build up the body of Christ. Now, this is a little bit of an extension of last week's message on hearing God's voice. And some of you guys, when, I hear, when you hear the word prophetic, there's a lot of different things that come to your mind. So let me simplify what that looks like and what I mean by that. By prophetic, and I don't mean like on this date, on this time, this is going to happen. What I mean, according to 1 Corinthians 14.3, the gift of prophecy is to build up, strengthen, and encourage other believers. And really the simple definition of it is hearing God's voice on behalf of someone else and sharing that with them. Okay, I talked about that a little bit last week. And some of you guys came forward to receive some prayer from folks that were just saying, Lord, is there anything you want me to say to this brother or this sister? And some of you guys were really encouraged. But in this setting, man, wouldn't it be awesome that not only are we lifting our voice to God and turning our attention to him, but we're also turning our ear to him and having this childlike anticipation on, Lord, I think that maybe there's some people that you love in this room today, and maybe there's some encouraging things you want them to know. I think that is a great mindset because that is the heart of God. He loves us. There are some encouraging, encouraging things he wants you to know this morning. And then so when we open our ears to him and say, Lord, is there anybody in this room you want me to encourage? Is there anybody in this room that you want me to pray for or say something to? And then we still quiet ourselves. Sometimes nothing comes to your mind, and that's fine. It's great. Keep, just jump right back into worship. But oftentimes, if we're sensitive to his voice, he will speak. And so you might notice that either before... Um, the end of the service or during worship, some people will kind of roam around and just kind of pray for somebody. Oftentimes, that's what they're doing. They're trying to listen to God's voice and say, is there anybody in here to encourage? Now, I talked to you guys about it last week, a couple boundaries for that, because we're all learning to hear God's voice. And just because something comes into our mind doesn't mean it's exactly what God wants. We're, the Bible says that we're, we hear in part. And so we want to make sure that anything that we are going to share with somebody else, we test it with the word of God. I don't know if you guys remember this from last week, but the word of God, the character of God, and the people of God, okay? And so you can say, all right, is what I just heard biblical? Does it match God's character and his love towards somebody? And then you can just double check with somebody. Hey, I'm about to show, go pray for so-and-so. Does it, does, it make, does it feel like this is from God, that this person, you know, I should tell them that God really cares about them and loves them? If they know anything about the Bible, they should say, yeah, that sounds great. Go tell them, you know? So this is an awesome opportunity to hear God for others. Uh, very practically, this is a place of the to practice the sacraments, particularly communion or baptism or things like offerings. They're all biblical sacraments or consistent things that we do with the people of God. And then I mentioned this already, but the, like, this is an opportunity in God's presence together that we can build memories together of meeting with God. Everybody say memories. There have been a handful of moments I've had with God that were like private, just me and him. But I would say the majority of the most significant times and moments I've had with God in my life have been in a setting with other believers worshiping. Powerful times with God where I, I feel his presence on me or a physical healing that I received early in my walk with God in my, of my ankle. The believers gathered together to pray for my ankle and I was healed. Uh, there's just these moments of shared experience of there's just a, a, a heavy awareness of God's presence, heavy in a good way. Uh, I think of a couple of recent examples. So World Mandate back in October. How many of you guys were at World Mandate, our annual conference? Okay, I just, 
we had a shared experience together. I'm particularly thinking of two things. One, Saturday morning, our friend uh, Josh shared about just what God's doing in this next generation, but also called us forward to receive just a fresh touch of God's power and his fire in our life. And so many of you guys were up here kneeling, weeping, experiencing God's presence. Like that was a shared, powerful moment that we had together in the presence of God. And I also think about that evening service, getting fired up for the nations when our friend Clint shared and so many of us just surrendering again, saying, Lord, send me. Here I am. Send me. I'll go wherever you, you lead me. For those of you that moved up with us from College Station, Texas, a few years ago to plant this church, I don't think any of us would ever forget um, Revive Spring Break College Trip. I used to be a college pastor, and I, kept, I was leading these Spring Break trips. Revive 2019, where uh, the lead pastor's wife shared a message on holiness. And at the very end of that uh, message, we had an opportunity to have like corporate or open confession of sin. Me and her were both feeling the same thing. What, what if we take a risk, open the mic, and see if people want to respond under the fear of the Lord to confess sin? And guys, that w- service that was supposed to last like an hour and a half or two hours lasted about six hours. And there was a line like all the way back, and this, this sanctuary is twice as big as this, all the way back through the aisles to the back door of, of college students waiting to come to the front to grab the microphone and to confess their sin publicly. And it wasn't just like light stuff. Okay, raise your hand call if you were there, a few of you guys were there. That was so holy and none of us will ever forget that. It was person after person confessing deep sin publicly because, not because of a pressure, but because they felt like, I need to do this because I want to be free. They would come up, they would talk to God, say, Lord, I confess. I'm sorry. They would begin weeping. And then they would go to their knees, and then their friends from life group would come and pray over them. The presence of God would fall on that person. Then they pretty much would, like, roll the mic <laughs> to the next person because they couldn't really hand it anymore. And the next person, and it was the same thing for six hours. Now, we had a lot of things planned that day because I'm, I'm, like, organizing the whole trip. And uh, I remember Jeremy was there. He had to, like, go to a wedding, so he left early. Anyways, you were, like, ministering to people with a nice suit on. you remember that? Yeah. Am I remembering correctly? Um, and I was, like, running out of the sanctuary talking to all the people, like, hey, sorry, we're going to cancel our afternoon plans. Um, and I would try to organize, run around. And then I would come back in 30 minutes later to the sanctuary. And as soon as I opened the doors, it was, it was like God's tangible presence was there, and it wasn't lifting. And I was like, after six hours, it's like, aren't you tired? And the worship team was a little tired. But <laughs> were you on the worship team that day? Oh, no. Okay. And, um, and we will never forget that. But that is, like, what can happen in these corporate settings, God's tangible presence showing up. And then one more example is, uh, then I'm going to have uh, Macy come up and share something. But for those of you that last spring break went with us to Tijuana, raise your hand if you were there, Tijuana mission trip, if you guys were there. I don't, I don't think mo- many of us will forget. We had a worship time and then a prayer time, and we were supposed to go outreach later on that day. And, but it was just pouring down rain the whole day. And then this guy from another team named Brandon got up. He's like, I'm going to pray for God to stop the rain. And he just starts, he takes the mic, just starts shouting, Lord, no, we came here to outreach. Stop the rain, Lord, we believe it. And it was very, uh, um, how do I say, energetic. And, uh, and I was like still taking the whole time. I was like, okay, cool, cool, yeah, do that. Sounds great. If you want to, Lord, you know, I had a little less faith. <laughs> I had a little less faith, honestly. Um, and uh, But literally, the two-and-a-half-hour chunk of outreach, there was no rain. And then we come back, and then it starts raining again. It was memorable. It was memorable. 
But that, that happens when the people, who, you know, who knows what can happen when the people of God gather together. And I really want us just filled with faith that this matters. This just becomes just the top priority of us in this church. All right, I'm going to invite up Macy. She's one of our um, worship leaders. And um, just invited her to share a couple other thoughts of kind of like the why behind us gathering together as the people of God to worship. And then after she's done, we'll, we'll close up. So take it away, Macy. Thanks, Mitchell, for handing me a microphone to talk about worship. Be here for four more hours. Um, no, I'm going to keep it brief and hopefully encouraging and maybe a little challenging. But first off, I just want to say how honored I am to get to worship with each one of you week in and week out. And if you know someone who's on the worship team, just like turn to them and say, thank you for worshiping. And even if you're not on the worship team, turn to someone next to you and say, thank you for worshiping. So everyone should be turning to someone. Thank you for worshiping. And then I want you to all say out loud, say, I am a worshiper. worshiper. Now say it like you believe it. Say, I am a worshiper. You are, you really are. Even if you can't keep a tune to save your life, you are. Like, even if you've never picked up an instrument, you are. Because as Mitchell was talking about, like, worship is not music. Worship is not singing. It's an element of worship, but you are a worshiper. And when Mitchell asked me to do this earlier this week, I was like, okay, filter, filter, filter. What do we say about corporate worship? And I had all these thoughts, all these bullet points. But then when we were worshiping this morning, I felt like God gave me this picture um, of each one of you. As you walked in the room, you were, like, carrying this, like, piece of glass. And you, like, came and you, like, stuck it on the wooden background. And the next person came in. And we started building, like, this mosaic, like, this beautiful mosaic. You brought your piece, and it was just, like, stunning. And then we started worshiping, and it was like the light of God hit the glass, hit all the pieces, all the body worshiping together, and the glory of God just fell in this place. And every time I'm up on the platform, I try and remind our team, like, hey, we are linking arm in arm to invite heaven to earth, to this house, to God's house. So every week when you come to corporate worship, you bring your portion, you bring your lot, whatever it is, And you put it there for God as an offering, and then you just say, come, God, please. I don't want to do this morning. I don't want to do this day or this next week without you. Does that make sense, that picture? Okay, so that picture was looming in my brain, and I feel like a couple things I just want to encourage you and challenge you from that picture is that corporate worship is an invitation from God. It's like each morning, Sunday morning, when you, like, wake up, there's a text from God that's like, 10 a.m., see you there, you know, like, open heaven, you know, at 12, what's our address, 1212 Hawks Landing, or 20, yeah, that one, are you going to be there, you know, like, don't go to that place, I don't know where that place is, but he's like, are you going to be there, you bring your, bring your portion, you know, and it's like, every time, it's an invitation for the glory of God, and my best example for that is like, when we sing holy, 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 I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but it's like, it's like, I'm standing there singing, God, you're holy, 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 and it's like, oh, the angels are singing it too in heaven. Like, always. (laughs) I just, like, joined in with that bridge. But they've been going forever and ever. But I'm here, and I'm joined in with all my brothers and sisters. And it's it's just so, so worth it. And the last thing I just want to say, and then hopefully we're going to get to worship together for a little while. Um, And I mean this in the most love, but corporate worship is about 
God. The end. You know, like, we can worship now. You know, like, it's about God. But because he's good, because he's faithful, because he's gracious, because he's blank, 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 we directly benefit from being a part of corporate worship. So you're tracking with me? Like, when you come in weary and weak and, like, you feel like your faith is weak, like Larry said this morning, you come in and you fix your eyes on God. And because he is God and he is good and he's generous, you get the benefit of being in his presence. We don't worship to get our souls refreshed. We worship because God is God. But when we do that and we fix our mind on him, he changes everything. And you walk out of here and you're like, I don't know why, but I feel like I'm more hopeful for the week. I I don't know how it happened. All I did was sing holy, holy, holy for 25 minutes straight. And now I feel like I can take on the week. You know, like, I don't get it. It's supernatural. But that's what I just want to say. And then the very last thing is going back to that text this morning from God. Like, one of the, one of the best things you can do as a worshiper in this family is to show up. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be fixed, but show up. And so, like, what if I told you that next Sunday, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were all going to be here? Like, don't you think you'd show up a little bit before 10 a.m.? Yeah. Like, I would want to sit by them, you know? Like, don't you think you wouldn't be walking in here at 10.03? And I don't mean that in any sort of shame. I genuinely mean it. Like, if you believe that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the whole trifecta is going to be here on Sunday morning, don't you want to be here? Like, from the jump? And don't you want to have and receive all that he has for you? And don't you want to give it away to people? So that's my challenge as someone that gets to be on the platform and gets to see the room be 25% full, and then after song one, it's 50% full, and then by song three, it's 90% full. Like, come on. We get this tiny window to worship God week in and week out. Let's show up like God does every week because he's worthy and he's good. And he's so, so worth it. So those are my thoughts. (laughs) Come on, give it up for Macy. Thank you. Yeah, worship team, go ahead and come on up. So good. So good. Hey, turn to somebody next to you and ask them what was their one takeaway from what Macy just shared. Go ahead, ask them. One takeaway from what Macy just shared. All right. It's great. A couple last things I want to share before we um, have more time to respond in worship and in God's presence, um, which we'll, we'll have extended worship, and you guys can stay for pretty much as long as the band is here. Um, a couple specifics to kind of the culture of worship that I'm hopeful for here um, in this church body when we gather. And again, if you're from out of town, especially all you parents, like hopefully there's something that God's going to deposit in you that you can take with you wherever you go, wherever you're from. You you go to, you know, you're from Texas, you're from wherever, you're, you're just like visiting from all over the United States. What if you, you brought back like an expectation and a faith with you to your church body? Or if you don't go to church very often, maybe you're... Um, 
checking things out this week or you don't have the church community, hopefully this stirs you to prioritize that again. Just building your anticipation that God can meet with you in the corporate setting. But a couple um, specifics similar to what um, Macy was saying is, one, I would love for us to come on Sunday mornings with, uh, with a p- being prepared to worship. Here's a couple ways that um, that can look. One is even if it's simply on your car ride to church, just spend a few seconds or minutes praying and saying, Lord, fill that sanctuary with your presence today. God, help me meet with you. And then next level here, pray for everybody else that's going to be here. God, meet with my brothers and sisters today as we worship you. Especially if you're married, it's just going to be so much better if you just talk to God in that car ride than just talk to each other about how the morning went and why you're, you're so late and the kids and all that stuff. Just don't talk to each other. Just talk to God. It'll spare you. It's also been helpful that for like, since I've been a pastor, we don't really drive to church together anymore. But yeah, yeah, she's got the kids though. So she just cranks the worship music up. Not talking to you. But no, really, I mean, it's so simple, but even if it's just a few seconds on your drive to church, start just asking God to meet with you. Ask God to meet with everybody else here. And ask him to fill you with anticipation that you're going to be, you're going to meet with the living God. Super practical. Another thing is just the, the general emphasis on the freedom that I want us to feel as we worship. I just want you guys to feel like no one's eyes are on you except the Lord's. When you come into this place, like if you're the main thing I want you to do is connect with God if that means you sit still and close your eyes that's great if that means you're kneeling if that means your hands are raised if that means you're pacing back and forth if that means you know you you bring your shofar and <laughs> which you know there's maybe some limits of what's most helpful in this setting but Wednesday night the worship night bring your shofar okay bring your flag that's great okay Honestly, I want to just comment on um, just maybe the variety of opinions in this room of our style of worship in at Antioch. You know, where is it on your spectrum? Is it, like, pretty extreme and pretty, like, you know, uh, outward, or is it pretty tame? And um, it's probably, like, half and half in this room, but I would just being in lots of different settings over the decades of following the Lord, like, in general, we're pretty tame um, in regards to our expression of worship. So if you think we're a little extreme, just, you just, you just got to get out of your bubble. You'll find out pretty soon, like, oh, this is different. Anybody ever been to Africa and been worshiping with Africans? Yeah, I mean, it's like, there's, every muscle is moving during worship. (laughs) muscles I didn't even know people had they're moving during worship it's like it's not worship unless you're sweating afterwards it's like you know it's like the pastor's like checking for sweat (laughs) I'm just kidding they're not but I'm just like that's amazing and it's so biblical it's like praise them with your dance I'm like yeah some of you need to you need to get out of our, our comfortable bubble you know so I just couple I just want us to feel free I would say I've said this already this morning just Some of us need to probably try something new. Try something that makes you feel uncomfortable. Try something that's like, you know, not just for the sake of doing something new, but to help yourself break free from the the fear of what others might think about you during worship. I just want us to have an environment where, man, we just know God's in the room. We're here meeting with him. And just a little bit of my journey, just to close it up, is, you know, I— 
I remember when I first gave my life to the Lord, I got saved in a church that was much more expressive in worship than I was used to growing up. And I remember some of the youth group leaders would like, you know, come to my aisle right before worship. Say, hey, you want to come down to the front and worship? And I said, no, uh, just no, uh, because everyone would see me down there. And, um, and, and thankfully, they're so gracious. That's okay. That's great. But, you know, just a few weeks in, I'm like learning to like, okay, God's here. I want to meet with God, you know. And so my progression kind of looked like, you know, hands here to, you know, the mid. You know, everybody, no one else can really see the mid hands, you know what I'm saying? Just I'm here to receive. And then a little bit of like, okay, Lord, I'm not pushing you away, but, you know, just – just, you know, want a little bit of you, you know, there's this, God teaches us how to express ourselves in worship, and remember the heart, it's not about the outward expression ultimately, but it is helpful to help us engage with the Lord, and I just want you guys to feel like, hey, God wants to teach us how to worship, and I want us to learn and um, be free. So before we respond to worship, I want you to turn your attention to the screen, and if you have a journal, just keep that out, pull that out, or type in some thoughts. We always kind of close out our service with some reflection questions. So here's a couple things I want you to talk with God about and write down anything that comes to your mind. One, Lord, how can I show up even more prepared and expectant for worship, for corporate worship settings? Another thing I want you thinking about is, God, is there anything hindering me from being free in worship? And then last one, what's something new I can try as a way to worship you? Why don't you ponder these just for a couple minutes? And then I'll come back up here and we'll jump in to worship together for, for a while. <laughs> 